Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, Kellen Kennedy with you. Hey, I want to mention this to you. Uh, we had 50 people at our Nashville Oilers Now road trip to start the season. We have two spots left. We ended up getting two suites due to popular demand, New West Travel. Adding a second package. Well, we've only got two spots left um, for the second suite for the Oilers roadie into Montreal to watch the Oilers play the Canadians. It'll be a Saturday night game. This package includes airfare, three nights in the Deluxe Hotel, downtown Montreal, game tickets, a private suite, food and drinks. And, of course, we're going to do a welcome reception in Edmonton and a welcome reception in Montreal with yours truly and special guests. Experience the incredible hockey history that is Montreal this January to be a part of this awesome Montreal roadie. Reach out to newwesttravel.com. Again, two spots left. As we head off to the River Creek Resort and Casino Hotline, we welcome back to the show daily face-offs Frank Cervelli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Experience live standard bed racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. For more info, head to thehorses.com. Hey, Frank, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, I would love to join your trip to Montreal. That is my favorite NHL road city. Yeah, you know what? Uh, don't love the politics, I'll be honest with you at times. Love. Right, we can park that. We can park that. I'm with you. It is my favorite place to go to. It's my favorite place to call a game from. I just wish the Oilers that didn't. That gondola is cool. The yeah. environment is always good. They know the game. Like, you know they what? Do. They, they live, eat, breathe, sleep it. You know, the Oilers have laid down a couple stink bombs this year, but the biggest one that they laid down last year was in Montreal on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the team uh, stayed in Montreal, watched the Super Bowl, and flew after. Uh, and it's but even when it was three nothing in that game, and McDavid was dangling with dry settled, just the the ability of the fans to understand the crescendo as it was going to happen on the ice and the potential score, like they're so knowledgeable. They've got it's so different than any other building, too. Certainly different than Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean it's been empty here, and yeah. you know what? I saw the NHL tout a few days ago that October was one of their most attended months in years uh, for an October. And that was surprising to me just based on the way we saw even some Canadian cities open the season. Now, do you think having 55,000 fans at Commonwealth Stadium helped boost those numbers a little uh, bit? I don't, I mean, I don't, I think that's probably an outlier and not included, but they felt oh, like attendance was strong in some other markets. Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe instead of a Florida dragging you down, they've had pretty good attendance. All they right. sold out the lower bowl for their first time in franchise history for season tickets. So we've got George LaRock and Al May coming up, and we have to pre-tape George now on uh, Fridays and Oilers now for the Oilers throwback segment for Conlon Motorsports. And I asked them, uh, you know, I certainly talked a fair amount about Al about numbers and the analytics and the Edmonton Oilers right now. The teams two and two six and one, uh, who infamously infamously said, "You are what your record says you are." Was that Denny Green? I, it was either Denny Green or Bill Parcells. Okay, I, yeah. So, and the Oilers are two six and one. You obviously watched the game last night against the Dallas Stars. The Oilers forty nine shots on goal. They shot themselves in the three odd man break goals against two from outright. Uh, you know, a, a tough read by CC, and then Skinner didn't bail him out on the two-on-one. I mean, he, Matt Duchesne shot the puck right through Stu on that goal. And then the uh, Broberg play, which is, you know, he's in the minors today. So uh, got sat on the bench for 10 minutes after puking the puck up, after he made a real nice defensive play back in his own zone. 
gains center ice and doesn't get it deep, and then they quickly bang back a three and one. So here's Are here's you doing what, play by play right now. No, I'm I'm gonna ask you this. I'm gonna shut up. All right. So you know what the Oilers numbers are because I sent you them this morning. Do you? Um, the team right now is first in expected goals, second in Corsi four, uh, second in Fenwick four in terms of percentage wise in the entire all NHL. All five on five. All five on five. Power play isn't clicking. Penalty killing is not great. Save percentage is poor. You know, almost the opposite of what happened out of the gate when Edmonton went sixteen and five a couple of years ago. So tell me, should there be a level of concern in Edmonton with the Oilers right now? I think. My level of concern was actually a lot higher last week when we were seeing a lack of effort. And that turned around in a big way, I think, at the Heritage Classic. And then you see the game on Thursday night and you feel a little bit better. I think there's probably three games this year that the Oilers should have won and had played well enough to win just about any other game. And in a normal year, when you get off to a decent enough start, you probably don't even think anything of those games. You never really think about it again. There's some of the 20 or 25 that you lose in a season. But this year, it's amplified. And it's also what I would say is it's a little early to be playing the moral victories card. Like, I'm not there yet. And I understand process should trump everything and... I think a lot of what the Oilers have done has been fine. But at some point, the record speaks for itself. The fact that you are seven points behind the Anaheim Ducks, that's it's no good. It's unacceptable. And that part at some point becomes a real thing. We're not there yet, but we're another 10 games away from that being there. Frank Saravalli for the horses and horse racing in Alberta. It was wild theater with Sam Gagne scoring the two goals last night, wasn't it? It was, and you had to feel good. I love that the guys call him Papa Oiler. Um, I love that this is his third tour of duty, and I love the connections that he has to the franchise. And also, I really have a lot of respect for Sam and how he's grinded out his career. Like He was a guy that was pretty well thought of in the beginning and had a couple good seasons. And for some guys, they hit a wall at some point in their career. And I was thinking right around the time he was in Philly, actually, 2015, 16, I think it was. And I was thinking watching him, you know, this guy's career might be over. Yeah. And it takes a special guy to really battle through that and and get back to the NHL level, Uh, you know. Uh, thinking of that season, he played 53 games, was a healthy scratch a lot, had only 16 points, and the next year comes back and has 50 in Columbus. And that sort of gave him a shot in the arm and rejuvenated him a bit, and he's had a couple decent years. Last year in Detroit, was pre- or a couple years ago in Detroit, was pretty good. Um, he's an older guy now at 34, turning 35 next August, and, um, you know, He's never going to, you know, win you a, a, you know, a championship or or be a key cog in that. But I think he's a really quality depth player that they can rely on. Just so everybody's aware, we said we, we gave the numbers: number one in expected goals for, and a lot of you are saying Bob the orders are 
putting up a disproportionate amount of it's part of its game effects where Edmonton's trailing and trying to work their way back in games against Vancouver and not being able to push it over the goal line against Winnipeg and last night against Dallas. So most people saying it, hey, you're two six and one. You're two six and one. I don't care if the team's number one in expected goals for. We have Frank Saravalli for the horses and horse racing in Alberta, live standard bed racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. For more information, head to thehorses.com. So, so the truth is, Bob, you, you do math and, and you understand. You said the Oilers were going to be 51 or 52 wins this year. Is that right? Yep. To get to that point and even to just get to 96 points, not saying it's impossible because this team is eminently capable of it, but if you get another 10 games into this hole, no chance. The math does start to become difficult. Like what we're looking at right now is the Oilers needing to win 45 or 46 at least of the next 73 games. Yes. Remember, I'm the one that doubled down when the team was 21, 18, and 3 last year and said they'd win 47 to 52. Just for reference, there's only six teams in the league that had 45 or 46 wins in the final 72 last year. Yeah. The Oilers can do it, but I'm telling you, another 10 games, they also have swirled down the drain, and it's. Yeah, we're we're talking a whole different story. Hundred percent. They got to get more saves. They got to play smarter with the puck defensively, and they got to finish. And they got to get more guys scoring. And it's disappointing. They haven't had any offensive contribution further down the lineup. Frank. I mean, last year, Edmonton, Seattle, and, and Vegas all had twelve, ten plus goal scores at forward. Right now, the Oilers got way too many guys. Holloway, uh, McLeod, Connor Brown with zeros across the board. Mm-hmm. It's unacceptable. I agree. It's unacceptable. All right, look, uh, Brendan's retweeted it. You did a interview with Zach Cassian, who recently uh, retired. He was a fan favorite for some people here in Edmonton. Give us a bit of a perspective on your conversation with Zach. So many different areas that we went to with Zach. Um, he's such an honest guy. Um, and I thanked him after the interview, and I said, hey, thanks for you know digging into a couple different topics that may not have been easy. And he said, Hey, look, it's it's easy to be an open book when all your stuff is already hanging out there and everyone knows you went to rehab at some point. You know, just be straightforward. And that's really refreshing. Um, he talked about how he hit rock bottom leaving Montreal and arriving in Edmonton, knowing that this would be his last chance. You mentioned that he was a fan favorite for a stretch, but also how he was probably a guy toward the very end that was not, was the opposite of that. And we talked about the idea of how fans today in 2023 view you through the prism of your salary cap hit. And on the one hand, with how good his story is, no one is going to begrudge Zach Cassian of that life-changing contract, uh, four years, 12.8 million bucks. But on the other hand, he talked about how it is difficult to live up to that and how different he felt Uh, especially after being knocked out cold on the ice. He said, you know, there's something about your brain that works in mysterious or funny ways where you just can't get back to that same place that you used to be before because you know the inherent danger that comes with it. And that's sort of one of the unspoken things about today's game is the risks that these guys put themselves uh, through and, and for good pay and for good reason 
Um, but it does take a, a, an effect. Uh, there's certainly a trickle-down effect in terms of what that looks like on the other end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was in a fight with Zach McEwen and Zach Cassian in the preseason. He landed on the back of his head and I was never really the same as a player. So it. Uh, he said it on the. He said it on my pod. It was never the same. Yeah. And I, I, I just think you, it's understandable that you would lose your desire. It, 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 it is interesting uh, because you were in Edmonton. And we've got George LaRock coming up, and he's going to get very emotional in the interview that we do with him because I, I pre-taped it because George is back out east. And, you know, just the love everybody showed for George that day. Like yeah. people – but and George never made $3.2 million. And in the end, Zach, that contract – and I do think people tie it to the price point. It's you know what Darnell Nurse is a good defenseman, but he makes nine point two five million, and as a result, I think he gets more criticism. It's way different than we looked at the game twenty years ago. 100%. It didn't matter in a pre-salary cap world because whatever bag anyone got, you're like ah, good for him. Yes. But today, that means you're chewing up space that someone else theoretically could contribute more. It's a totally different ballgame. All right, Frank, I'm going to put you on the spot here. To your knowledge, for our listeners out there, Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, live standard bed racing, Friday and Saturday at Century Mile Racetrack and Casino. For more info, head to thehorses.com. To the best of your abilities, can you explain to us what the hell happened uh, with the Ottawa Senators, the decision the Sens organization made regarding Jenny Dadnoff and the trade to the Vegas Golden Knights? So it's really kind of simple. Um, when the initial trade went down from Ottawa to Vegas on the trade call, there is apparently record of the Vegas Golden Knights representative asking, is there any no trade clause? Is there any list for us to be aware of? And the answer from the Sens representative was no. And after that, even though there was an eight-month gap in between when they went to trade Evgeny Dadnoff again to the Anaheim Ducks, the, the agent stepped up for Dadnoff and said, hey, look, he's got a no-trade clause in effect, and the, the Ducks are one of the teams on the list. And so that invalidated the trade. And what it did was it left two teams, as Michael Anlauer explained, wanting a pound of flesh, where the Ducks were supposed to get a second-round pick in that deal. They didn't get it. The Golden Knights were embarrassed because it looked like they had egg on their face and yes. had their stuff together. And they also got messed up with their cap because they didn't have the proper flexibility that they were hoping to with that trade going through. And so you had a couple really angry teams. What I can't explain to you is how the NHL arrived at the idea of a first-round pick being the punishment. And more importantly, why this took 591 days since the 2022 trade deadline on March 21st to finally mete out justice. That part, I don't really understand. Does it seem a little bit inconsistent given that this, what was the uh, penalty for the Chicago Blackhawks with Kyle B? Two and a half million dollars. Okay, so on top of what they settled with the beach camp legally, uh, what, but there was, was no- in the tens of millions of dollars. Okay. So maybe it was because it was so much financially, they said, no, we're not stripping you of any picks. But that might be a query for some people out there saying, wait a sec here. So you have a trade that maybe Ottawa didn't reveal the full cards to, to Vegas, and that cost them a number one in one of the next three years. Wasn't the, you know, the whole scenario of Beach 
far more egregious or not? What do you think, Frank? That's that's I, that's an, a line that I could certainly understand someone drawing, and you could look at it today and say, well, that could have been the difference between getting Connor Bedard and not. We don't know what year that pick would have been. Right. Could very well have been this past year. So it's a fair question to ask. Um, and I think here's my issue with the whole thing, the way these last two weeks have played out, which you saw Michael Anlauer put the NHL on blast, which I can't tell you how incredibly rare that is for an owner to do. Yep. There's a lack of transparency here that's really, I think, disturbing. I'm not afraid to dig in and ask questions and make calls and do the reporting. I've done it. You can read it. The fact that the NHL is sending out a statement in both of these, basically with one sentence and then saying we will have no further comment, I think the fans, the people who are paying for this league to to run, deserve more transparency. And frankly, as the new owner in Ottawa would attest, as someone even purchasing a team could use more transparency as to exactly what these punishments were, the severity of them, and the fact that some of these investigations were even ongoing to begin with. Yeah. No, there's no question. It's interesting stuff. Uh, and, and in the end, it cost Pierre Dorian his job. Any idea who goes in The last it? straw. The last, because there had been, what the heck happened between Dorian and McGuire, by the way? Because there's been I some... Did. Go I ahead. don't know the answer. You don't have the answer a lot. But uh, I would say, look, um, that that tenure was sort of wrought with dysfunction the whole time. I mean, think back to 2016-17. So he had eight years on the job. His first year, they go to the Eastern Conference Final Game 7, double OT against yep. the Pens. I was at the game. They were one goal away from going to the Cup Final and knocking off the defending champs. And so they decide after that, to double down and go for the cup. They trade 23-year-old Mika Zibanejad for 29-year-old Derek Broussard. Whoops. And five pieces for Matt Duchesne that November. Yep. In in what turned out to be a 67-point season in which they then announced at the end of the year that they're going to full-scale rebuild. How do you get from juicing up to go for the cup to full-scale rebuild in five months. I'm not sure how that's possible. Well, that's a, a fair comment. All right, final one for you, because we do have uh, Calgary Flames fans that listen to the show. Uh, they're not. They're taking on some water, and I think their situation, with all due respect, is worse than Edmonton's. Like everybody yep. feels that the Oilers will be able to dig out of it here. Um, are we looking at an inevitable scenario? I mean, they got three UFA defensemen, including Hannafin and Tanev, as well as Zadorov, and then up front, obviously, Elias Lindholm. What do you figure? Yeah, I think they've now gotten to the point where they can begin to have some more serious discussions about what the future outlook of the Calgary Flames is. And I think really the biggest thing comes down to ownership. Can Craig Conroy and Jerome McGinley, who are now steering this ship, convince their owner that they need to go in a different direction than they have for the last 10 years and begin to sell off pieces? When you have guys like Huberto and Kadri and you know, some of the other guys that they've gotten locked up to longer-term deals, you're weaker. You're probably not going to end up tearing it down to the studs because you really can't. Those guys aren't going anywhere. But can you do something like 
what Vancouver's done. Can you find better solutions for Huberto? Can you take the picks and pieces that you acquire for um, a, a Lindholm if you trade him or a Hannafin if you trade him and turn one into a Philip Hronik? And, and have your team sort of redo this on the fly. A couple teams have done it pretty successfully. I think the Rangers have done a pretty good job not going full scale. I think the Dallas Stars have been really good at it. Um, there's a few teams so far that have been able to – the Kings, I think, you know, they had a few lean years, but they're now back in the mix. Can you make enough happen to have things turn around in a three-year span as opposed to seven or eight? Frank, we'll talk to you Monday. We're at uh, Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now, and have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. You bet. 5.55 in Edmonton. We'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. Thanks, Connor. It's 558 in Edmonton. Guests and Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night in the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Tell Chris and Chef Eltoff and Brendan that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris open at 4 o'clock in Oilers home game days. Five to close Tuesday through Saturday. Quickly until the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Farmer Ed. Bob, I'm not panicking yet. Your numbers are interesting, but they don't cover players' motivation or Woodcroft's coaching. Players should be rewarded for good play. Maybe the horses should work a little bit less, and the mules should be working a bit more. Just a thought. I think he's suggesting they need to balance the minutes out for the forwards. It's a fair assessment. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make my way over to Claire Drake Arena, but we have pre-taped conversations coming up with Alan May and George LaRock. You're going to want to hear George because uh, you can uh, he's bringing the love on today's edition of Orders Now. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Thomas Dias. Brendan Escott will guide you home in the final hour of Orders Now.